This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The wildest malfunction I can remember is very early on in my career. I was the only dresser on the show and the actress had nine quick changes in like a five minute span. And one of her costumes was sort of like Carmen Miranda and she ran back and the zipper just broke. Like there was just no way. And I just remember just like sewing her into her dress and just being like, go, <laughs> and just pushing her out on stage and then cutting her out when she came back and throwing on her next dress. That was Stephanie Spangler, who's come a long way since her days as a novice dresser for the theater. Today, she works at New York's Metropolitan Opera, where she is director of costumes, wardrobe, wigs, and makeup. During the course of an opera season, she will oversee as many as 4,500 costumes, not to mention the people who put them on and take them off the performers. She's at the helm of a nightly whirlwind of activity that results in pure magic on stage. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Stephanie Spangler likes to think of herself and her crew as the fairy godmothers of the Mets Productions. They have the performers' backs. They are there to make things happen. In many ways, what Stephanie does is very down-to-earth and requires tremendous organization and coordination. Listen and learn why Stephanie Spangler is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. I'm speaking today with Stephanie Spangler, who has an absolutely fascinating job. She's the director of costumes, wardrobes, wigs, and makeup for the Metropolitan Opera. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi. Thank you, Ambassador, for having me. Let's talk a little bit about this position that you hold. 
directing costumes, wardrobes, wigs, makeup at the Metropolitan Opera, that pinnacle of opera settings. And we all know the visuals when we go to the opera and it's in what you do. So what does the job entail? What are we talking about in terms of how many costumes, performers, changes? Does it vary from opera to opera? It does. So I did my homework before today because I wanted to have good numbers for you. So this season, this 22-23 season, we opened with Medea on September 27th and we'll close Mm -hmm. um, on June 10th. And in that time, we'll do approximately 250 live performances. We do our operas in repertory, which means that over a seven performance week, seven show week, we're doing up to four different operas that you can come and see four different operas over the course of seven days. Um, While we're doing that, we rehearse the next openings in the daytime. So essentially, my team is setting up for a rehearsal, breaking down entirely, and then resetting for an evening. Um, Over the course of the season, we're doing 23 operas. We do seven new productions. So new to us often involves many new builds. And then we do 16 repertory revivals. And so I was looking at our numbers for this year. And so our average performers per opera are about 100 per opera. And so if you were to look at 100 people per opera, 23 operas, I estimate that we have about over 2,000 costumes that go on stage. Um, Just if everybody has one outfit that they wear per show. But oftentimes we have people who are in multiple costumes, they are changing. So I estimate that we probably have certainly over maybe 4,500 costumes that we touch, that we handle, that we alter, that we dress every season. Well, it sounds like just an enormous challenge. And and as someone who loves the opera, I know when I look at that stage and see often a spectacular array, I cannot imagine what this is like for you. So could you explain a little bit about what the coordination must be like between yourself, designers, other teams, because there's so many teams uh, given any opera? What do you take into account when you're looking at costume design and other elements? Give us a sense of what factors go into this. Sure. To start, I oversee three different areas. I oversee our costume shop, who's run by the head of the costume shop. We have a head of wardrobe who oversees the whole backstage dressing team. And then we have a department head for hair and makeup and wigs. And altogether, there are roughly 150 people. And so the process sort of starts, particularly with new productions. If Right now I'm working on new productions for next season, and I'm working on our new productions that we're doing this season. And so when we get an idea and a design that's approved, I'll work with the designer and our costume shop to figure out the plan for the builds. And that information comes from the score. It comes from the ideas that the director has about the characters that he wants to see on stage or she wants to see on stage. And then we sort of extrapolate. And I work, the designers come in with a research package that they deliver. And then we, we figure out how to make it a reality. And so we have a shop head and tailors who work with the designers to think about if we have casting, what silhouettes look good on what bodies and you know, it's so the historical research that goes into it is just massive. Um, one of the interesting things about working at the Met in particular is that we, because we do so many operas in a season, we can range from contemporary 
to mythic Crete, where we just were in Idomeneo. So we have to we span a very, very wide range of times, of periods, of styles. And the amount of research that goes into the builds of the costumes is just really phenomenal. Um, and then after the costumes are made, we, we bring them to stage for rehearsals and performances. And that's when the dressers come in and, and need to know the difference between dressing a corset versus dressing ecclesiastical costumes, you know. Um, so it's, it's really quite a wide range. And then, you know, on top of that, you have the hair stylists, the wig stylists, the designers, and then the makeup as well. It's just, it's a massive, it, it's, it's big. It surely sounds massive. And you mentioned dressers. What exactly do the dressers do? Because you oversee all the dressers, I understand. Right. So, I mean, I have a head of wardrobe who who oversees their tracks. But previously, before having this role at the Met, I was the head of wardrobe. So I I do have a lot of experience. And I, I've been a career dresser for 20 years um, before moving to my role now, which is more administrative. Um, the dressers are, um, so they get their delivery of costumes per opera. They understand the breakdown of where the performers are exiting and entering on stage. And we have to coordinate their quick changes. We have to coordinate um, like the choreography, everything that you see from the front of house behind stage. It's just like people running around, making sure they get to their next (laughs) entrance. We we just did um, Peter Grimes and we have a few more performances left. But there's a huge quick change that happens for our chorus men. There's 50 of them. And they all go backstage after the prologue. And then they have to drop all of their pieces, all their hats, and then switch to raincoats. And, you know, we have about maybe 13 dressers working with these 50 men. So it's it's pretty wild to see. I'm never going to watch an opera the same way after this conversation. <laughs> I will be utterly distracted thinking about everything people like you go through. So you describe this massive undertaking. How do you keep track? Do you have a special app? Do you have some kind of special system? How do you do this in the real? I don't have a special app. I sort of like block my work into just different segments. I mean, I have to be super organized. I have to be able to compartmentalize. It's multifold. So for anything that's new production related, where I'm working with designers on builds, I know that I'll be, you know, tracking our timelines. Like I have this giant calendar that is color coded, that breaks down all of our operas. And then every week is another deadline um, that sort of breaks down the, when do we need everything for stage? When do we need everything for room rehearsal kind of a thing. Um, looking farther ahead, you know, when are we getting our casting? Then we plan our fittings. Um, and I mean, I have a huge team who works enormously hard to get all of those details, you know, organized because it's constant. And we are unique because we work with all of the performers. There isn't a performer that comes through the Met that my team is not intimately, like they don't intimately know and I, I like to think of us as like a team of fairy godmothers. <laughs> like we kind of come in and <laughs> like we come in and, and, you know, you always have your, your team of people with you, your quick change. We're like your human mirrors, you know. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I would imagine maybe it's never happened, but has there ever been a wardrobe malfunction that you've been involved in? And if so, can you tell us what that was like? Harrowing, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I so I was thinking about this and the, the wildest malfunction I can remember is very early on in my career when I was dressing a production that was about um, Florence Foster Jenkinson who was the opera singer at Carnegie, but I think she was tone deaf was the story. And it was a two person musical. And I was the only dresser on the show. And, and the woman, the actor, actress who played Florence had nine quick changes in like a five minute span where she was supposed to be singing these different um, genres of music to sort of like show the span of her career. And one of her costumes was sort of like, um, like Carmen Miranda. And she ran back and the zipper just broke. Like there was just no way. And I, I mean, I must've been, I mean, in my second or third year of the career, there's no one back there to ask. And I just remember just like sewing her into her dress and just being like, go, and just pushing her out on stage and then cutting her out when she came back and throwing on her next dress. And I remember we became such good friends after that. She was like, you had my back. And I was like, I was not letting you go out there. My goodness. It was a good lesson. It's a good lesson. And I'm sure you're prepared for anything after that happens. <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite show? Was there something that you worked on that maybe it was just such an enormous challenge that succeeded beyond your dreams or just a favorite show because of what it's about? I mean, it's hard to say. I was, uh, you know, the, at the Met, I I was, I love almost all of what we do. I should say I love it all, but I, you know, everyone has favorites. I was lucky enough to be part of the co-production of Eknaughton when it first debuted at the Met. It had come um, to us, um, I believe it was at ENO before us. 
And um, mm-hmm. it, to, to work with that group and to watch that production, it's a Philip Glass production. So it's a contemporary opera, um, which I, I happen to really be a fan of. Being a part of that experience was absolutely amazing. Just the scope of the, sh- of the production elements, the costumes were phenomenal. The headpieces were like amazing. The chorus goes out and all these like animal heads and it's all kind of like Victorian. It's just stunning. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend um, watching it on demand. It's absolutely stunning. Or if it's on PBS. Well, let's talk about you, Stephanie Spangler, and your childhood. Were you attached to plays? Did you do a lot of dress up as a child? Was there anything that would have signaled that you would be doing this today? I mean, I think so. I grew up here in New York in Brooklyn, grew up with a single mom. And my mom um, took me to see Broadway shows from the time that I was seven years old. I think we did it every birthday. Um, and I loved it. And I, like so many people, I, was, I wanted to be an actor so badly. And lucky for me, I figured out how not talented I am in that world <laughs> at an early enough age. And then I, I started to study costuming in my undergrad. And I really loved it. I just thought it was amazing. I think the work of a costume designer um, is extraordinary. I also, one thing I love about what I do in in my industry is I I feel like our work of costumes, wardrobe, wigs, and makeup, it's very women-centered. It's certainly like for all of the different parts of the industry, we make up, like women make up the largest part of this work. And I've found it to be like very exciting to work with so many other women and, and talented, you know, people like, I mean, especially working at the Met to work with the caliber of directors, designers that we get to work with on a regular basis is like, you are spoiled. I'm spoiled. (laughs) Well, with good reason. You used to work with the Blue Man Group. Can you tell (laughs) us about that? What was it like? And was it so different from what you're doing today? So different. Um, So I started working as a part-time dresser backstage for the Boston Show Blue Man Group when I was 20 years old. And I worked with them for 18 years. So wow. I, <laughs> I... That's a long run. Yeah. I mean, and it was such a... It was a really special place to work. Um, I learned how to be a dresser. I learned how to be a manager there. Um, what I love about Blue Man, I mean, it, to have started in 2001, it was not like the world phenomenon that it is now. So like to have grown up in a world where like we like saw it explode and become so well known and to be this sort of shepherd of this iconic, you know, blue paint and black tunic. And like, it's like, it's sort of a weird thing. I mean, you can't, I cannot compare the work at the Met to Blue Man at all, because obviously the scope of the costumes and like that kind of work is like, deeply challenging and like the best way. But Blue Man really, I feel like gave me like my work ethic and really taught me how to be like a viable part of a community. And I had such a great experience. Sounds absolutely terrific. So then you get to the Met, which I think by any consideration is getting to the pinnacle of this profession in many, many ways. What did it feel like when you knew, here I am, Stephanie Spangler, going to the Metropolitan Opera? It's taken me a, a few years to even like have it sink in that it's real because it's, it's just so massive. I, um, we're we're going to be um, doing Aida, and we, we open in um, December. And I was thinking that 
when I had my final interview, I had to do it in the auditorium. And Aida was rehearsing on stage. And I was like, so distracted by the scale of that production that it was like hard for me to concentrate. And then a couple of weeks later, when I had started, we were um, doing Fanchula del West. And we have live horses in that show. And I'm backstage, <laughs> like five feet away from a live horse and a scenic backdrop of like a, you know, a classic Western sunset. And I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's exciting. It's got to be, just has to be. Well, we always have difficulty in these interviews because we run out of time and we're closely at the end once again. But I, I did want to ask you, I mean, there aren't a whole lot of people in the line of work that you're in. It's in many ways quite specialized. Maybe you could say exotic. It's a field in and of itself. And I wonder, does that give you a, a different perspective on life? Has it taught you anything in particular that is translatable to others? What gives you hope? Well, I love that question, actually. Um, I So I think having worked in this industry for my career, my whole career over 20 years is extraordinarily unusual. And I think it's very, very lucky. Um, and I've, I've taught um, at Montclair State University and having young students enter the profession is like incredibly exciting to see like sort of new perspectives on like an age old art form. And I think like one of the things that gives me hope in work, but in general, because I think we can all say it's been, we've had some difficult years, seeing people like show up, seeing people take on the challenge that they're kind of afraid of, like when something's too big, you know, showing up to the Met was very nerve wracking for me. And, it, you know, I still day to day, it's huge. But seeing new people start at the Met, seeing my students, some of whom now work at the Met, just show up and they say, this is big and this is scary, but I'm going to do it anyway and I'm going to try. That's that's what gives me hope. And what an inspirational way for us to end here. Thank you so much for giving us this very special view of what happens backstage uh, at the Metropolitan Opera when it comes to wardrobes and costumes and everything that goes with it. Thank you so much, Stephanie Spangler. Thank you. Thank you very much. I love the opera, and I loved learning behind-the-stage secrets from Stephanie Spangler. Here are three things I took from that conversation. First, it's impressive to learn about all the work that goes on backstage for an opera. I was fascinated by Stephanie's anecdotes about performers rushing through quick changes, throwing off costumes, having dressers help them into new outfits, and all working together like a well-oiled machine. Second, we can all learn from Stephanie's tracking methods for complex tasks. Color-coded charts, it seems, are the way to go. Finally, Stephanie reminds us never to lose our sense of awe at the opportunities we've been given. She's still amazed that she's working at the Met and her feelings of gratitude help her do her immensely demanding job. Tune in next time to learn about our next featured woman and why she is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. 
Have a great day. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.